I'm a big fan of testing. So if you want to write a book, I always write a few articles about the topic and see the response. And if those articles are all well-received, then I think about writing a book. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. You can build a business or freelance writing career writing about personal development. Why? Because it's one of the most popular topics online today. Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. And in this week's interview, I catch up with Darius Faroo, who's one of the most popular non-fiction personal development writers online. But before we get into this week's interview, here's a quick personal update from me. So lately, I've been thinking a lot about outsourcing and how it can help freelance writers take their business to the next level. So when you start out as a freelance writer, you know, it's probably just you and you'll spend your time finding clients or you'll spend your time you know, working with your editor on a story idea. And perhaps you're going to pitch several different editors, work on those articles, edit them, refine them, and then wait till they go live and then you'll get paid. On the other hand, if you want to make the shift from freelance writing to running your own creative business, then you really need the help of some other people. And that's where outsourcing can come into play. And that's what I did. And that's also something this week's interviewee did. Basically, if you have a series of articles about a topic like personal development, for example, you might want to create a book or an online course. And creating a book or an online course is really time consuming, even leaving aside the time it takes to record the course or write the chapters for your book, because you're going to have to do things like design a book cover, get the book edited, or in the case of a course, you're going to have to get your audio or video files edited. And then you're going to have to get all of this uploaded to your online learning platform of choice. So it can sometimes feel like you're spending a lot of time editing and preparing all of the different materials, time that you could spend writing. And that's something or an issue that I had when I started creating courses for the first time, when I started making the transition from freelance writing to actually you know, selling products and services that can help people. And this is where outsourcing can help. So when you start to earn a little bit more money from your freelance writing or from the products or courses that you're creating, I'd encourage you to consider reinvesting some of that back into your business because it is a business that you're building. And you could potentially hire a virtual assistant or you could potentially hire uh, somebody who can take a task off your plate. So I have a number of virtual assistants that I'm lucky enough to work with. So this podcast, which you're listening to, is edited by a podcast editor. My articles that I publish on my site and also on Medium, I send them to an article editor who will edit them for me. And I also have somebody who takes care of technical issues on my site, like, for example, SEO and so on. And all of that frees me up to spend more time working on creative projects or to focus on things that I'm good at or really enjoy doing. It's also important to consider when you're outsourcing what your budget is for outsourcing because you still want to be able to pay yourself, of course. So if you're on a tight budget, I'd encourage you to start small. And one of the best ways to start small is to pick a task you probably hate or has nothing to do with writing. And bookkeeping is often a good example because if you're a freelance writer, you're probably doing it on the side or on top of other tasks that you work on. So you could hire a bookkeeper who can help you take care of your tax and your returns and so on. So then you can focus on acquiring more clients and then making the transition from freelancer to business owner or creative entrepreneur. And actually becoming a creative entrepreneur is something this week's interviewee has done over the past five or six years. 
His name is Darius Faru, and perhaps you've come across his work online. He writes a lot about personal development on platforms like Medium and also on his own site. And personal development is an interesting topic because everybody has an opinion on personal development. There are no real barriers to entry. And that's great because you can find places to share your work and there are definitely readers who are interested in the topic. But it's a disadvantage in that it can be really hard to stand out in the niche of personal development. So that's why I wanted to catch up with one of the top writers in the genre to see what his approach is and how he has made his work stand out. Now, Darius lives in the Netherlands and he covers specific subtopics within the area of personal development, like wealth, wealth building habits and decision making and productivity. And he's also an author and an instructor. So he's built a business around his writing, which was a key takeaway for me from this week's interview. And he spends a lot of time selling online courses related to the topics that he writes about. Now, there's lots more uh, Darius does. So I was looking forward to catching up with him. And in this week's interview, he explains how he's managed to write seven books in over six years, which I was pretty impressed by. Uh, How he focuses on one project at a time. And he gets into why he avoids social media. He talks about how he grew his blog into one of the top personal development websites online today. He also gets into his process for researching, writing, and publishing his nonfiction articles. And he explains what he does when readers suggest editorial changes. And we talk a little bit about trolls. And I talk about it. And I asked the email I got from somebody who didn't like one of my parenting articles. Now, before we get into this week's interview, I do have an ask. Uh, If you enjoy the show, please, can you leave a review or a short rating on the iTunes store or wherever you're listening to the show? Because more reviews and more ratings will help more people find the Become a Writer Today podcast. Now, with that, over to this week's interview. And I started by asking Darius to give a bit of background information about who he is and what he likes to write about. So I started writing in 2015. And at the time, you know, I had a couple of things going on. I started a business with my uh, dad in 2010. And I, I, I was running that for a few years. And then I, you know, I, I wasn't really satisfied or I didn't feel like it was something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I was kind of searching and, you know, I ended up in London. I worked for IT research firm and at the same time also worked on the business and I had a lot of stuff going on. And by doing a lot of things that I didn't actually like, I found out what I do like. And I always had this, uh, I was always drawn to writing. And at some point in 2015, I thought to myself, you know, I was reading a lot of productivity articles and, you know, content on the internet. I thought, well, I have a different perspective. And I thought, why not just share it and see what happens? And that's how I got into it. So I shared a couple of articles and I also started my own blog. And and at the same time, I started writing on Medium as well. And a few of those articles took off. And then... I was like, yeah, this could be an actual thing. So that's how I got started. In that time, you also managed to write seven books. Very impressive. What was your secret? <laughs> yeah, well, I just start with, with one book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I started writing, I also immediately was like, yeah, I'm going to write a book as well. So that's the, the first thing that I did as well at the same time as I started writing articles. And because it's relatively easy to uh, self-publish a book, in 2015, when I started, I wasn't really attracted to going the traditional route because I was like, uh, why would I do that? Because it just takes too much time. And I was kind of impatient. And I thought to myself, you know, there are great tools out there that you can use 
and also great content and uh, advice that you can apply so you can improve your writing and you know publish your own books so i just started with one and then you know i've been doing this now for 5 years and if you publish one book a year and or two years i publish two so then you know Mm. books later and uh, still going strong. <laughs> Your new book is quite timely in terms of the pandemic. It's called Highly Productive Remote Work. Yeah. Was that something that you've been working on since before the lockdown or did you write it during the lockdown? Well, I'd written about several articles and topics that are in the book over the last few years. I have been working from home myself all this time. You know, when I started my family business, I worked a few days from home and the rest from the office. And then when I started writing full-time, uh, I started also working from home almost full-time. So I spent you know, several hours at the office a week, but I do most of my writing and my work from home because you know, I, that's the place I can focus best. So you know, when this stuff happened this year with the pandemic, I thought it was a good opportunity to combine all the stuff that I already published in the past, together with some new lessons that I learned and turn it into a book and, you know, put it out there. So that's what I did. Hmm. What does your writing routine look like? Because you're very prolific. Yeah. So, you know, what do you mean? Like in terms of uh, day to day? uh, Day to day. Yeah. Day to day. So, you know, my uh, main productivity strategies is to uh, just write uh, 30 minutes a day. Mm. And or even just, you know, break it down even to something smaller, just write one sentence a day. And often this is what happens to me almost every time, you know, before you want to write, you think like, yeah, I don't want to write. And you try to do all kinds of other things. You, you know, rearrange your your books. You, you know, try to clean the house, whatever you like. Oh, I need to go for a walk or I need to do this or that. Uh, Answer a couple emails and then you end up not writing at all. but if you decide to just write one sentence or, you know, maybe five or 10 minutes, whatever, and you get into it, now all of a sudden you write more. And one of my main priorities is always, you know, wake up and write. So that's the first thing that I do before I, you know, have have some breakfast or whatever, anything else or send emails. I just write. And sometimes that's five minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes, and sometimes it's maybe even an hour. Mm. And, you know, that gets me in, in the writing mode because uh, the times that I write the most stuff is when I'm really having a write first mindset. I apply that later on to in my book about remote work to a work first mindset. And, you know, what I mean by that is that, like, if you wake up and you think about, OK, my my whole priority, my whole goal is to write and then you actually do it now the rest of the day, you're in that mode and it's easier to keep up the momentum Mm. uh, instead of just, you know, say, okay, I'm going to write one day and then I'll do something else the next day. Maybe that works for some people, but for me, it works best if I keep, uh, keep the momentum. Okay. And in terms of keeping the momentum, what got the momentum going for your your kind of business faster? Was it building up on Medium or was it your site? Because from looking at your site, it seems to have significant traffic as well around mm-hmm. topics like habit formation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so because I I built a business website or a few actually in the past, uh, before I created my own website, I realized how important it is to have your website as a writer 
or you know any type of thought leader or whatever you want to do and sharing sharing ideas uh, on the internet so even though i published on medium or my articles were syndicated on some uh, publications my main priority and my main focus has always been my own website and uh, the people that are subscribed to my newsletter because i think that's the most valuable asset that you have even if you are very successful on uh, social media or on a, blo- a blogging platform you don't own that platform so there's always some risk involved mm. with that and the way that i look at it is that you know if something works and you do well on a specific platform you can't count on it that it it will always be like that right? so that's why I think it's always good to have your own website and never neglect that uh, and then try to find a balance between spending your uh, time and attention. Mm. So your articles on your site are informed by a lot of research. Like, for example, your latest one, The Science of Developing Self-Control, talks about the story from World War II. So what's your research process like? How do you find these interesting stories? Yeah, so my process is mostly by now is by just listening to the comments that I get and responses from people to my existing articles. And from that, I can learn what type of things they like. So for instance, you know, when I share some stories, some historical stories, like I, I noticed some people, like a lot of people replying saying, oh, I really enjoyed that. So I try to do that uh, every now and then. I, I don't want to do it every time because then you know, it becomes boring or it becomes like, you know, here we go again. It's another story, right? So what I try to do is I have the ID first for an article. So in this case, uh, developing self-control. And I want to combine that with some research. So I want to have some, some proof to back it up. I want to have some personal stories so that it comes from me and nobody else can tell that story. And I also want to share some historical stories that people can relate to and understand that, okay, other people have gone through some challenges as well. Mm-hmm. So as I, when I start with ID, I start on uh, Google and I just try to go deeper. And often if you search for the keyword story and your topic, you already have a great start. You're just getting on some pages that share some stories about the topic that you're interested in. And you know, that's how I always start. And then I just filter out all the stuff that's not relevant and, you know, pick one that uh, I find is a good fit, you know, with the the point that I'm trying to make in the article. Mm. Your articles are obviously uh, optimized for search as well. I can see you're doing some, some keyword analysis too. Not always, but uh, like in this example, yeah. But for example, I published a new article yesterday It's actually about information overload, but I didn't optimize it at all because this is more like a question that I received or a challenge from a reader. And I was like, yeah, I'd like to respond to this as well. So I try to, you know, balance that because what I find is if you try to optimize too much, then, you know, you just become like a robot and you're Mm. like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write an SEO article and then. Mm, I made that mistake. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I like about your work is, it's distinct in that you have these really interesting illustrations. So, for example, you have an interview with Derek Sivers, 
and there's a, there's a drawing of Derek Sivers to go along with mm-hmm. the podcast interview. So what's your mm-hmm. process for creating the images? Yeah, so like one of the things that I often uh, recommend is just like avoid stock footage as much as you can. Yeah. And, you know, at the beginning, obviously, when I started, I used free stock images. But then I was, as I was thinking about how I can, uh, you know, make my blog stand out a little bit more. At the same time, I bought an uh, iPad Pro with a pencil. I just started playing around with it. You know, I ended up with Adobe Sketch, I think it's called. And I started just, you know, creating some some drawings. And I was like, yeah, it looks kind of decent. <laughs> How were you able to draw before you bought the iPad Pro and Adobe? Yeah, well, no, nah, I didn't actually draw at all. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got know, really good. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, but, you know, everybody can draw stick figures, right? So yeah. on the iPad, it looks like a little bit more slick. So, uh, yeah. You know, well, your sketch of Derek Sivers is fantastic. <laughs> uh, that, oh, that one I use Photoshop, right? So okay. my, my stick figures are all like yeah. uh, dry, like, and it looks like a 12-year-old kid drew them. So and that's, that makes it funny as well. Well, they're kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, you have a nice one about inspirational quotes. So I think it's why your work stands out a little bit. So what about your courses? So you've created four courses over the years. How do you mm-hmm. decide what course to create and, and what works best for your audience? Yeah, so I started with my uh, productivity course or, you know, overcoming procrastination because that was the main topic that I covered when I started. That was a topic that I knew most about and I've been researching for my own benefit for years, you know, as an entrepreneur and like working for yourself or as a writer, everybody knows how difficult it is, right? To stay focused Mm -hmm. and overcome procrastination and just make sure that you get things done that you actually want to get done. That was a topic that I had a lot of experience with. So that's what I started with. And my philosophy is always just start with what you know or write about what you know or like know a little bit about. And, I, you know, as you write or research and teach, you ultimately get even better. So I started with that and people signed up and my audience started increasing and the next course that I made was a writing course uh, because people ask me about my writing process. And that's the funny thing about writing and doing anything online is that when you start, you have no audience to listen to. So you have to start somewhere. And like, like I said, I, I would recommend everybody to start with the thing that you know. But as you start building an audience, then now you can listen to what people are actually struggling with and you can ask as well. I've done that as well. Uh, I ask mm. often once a year. I do like a quick survey, ask, you know, what's on your mind? What are some of the challenges that you're uh, currently having? And um, I try to listen to those things and see where's a fit between what I know or what I've experienced and what I can share some ideas about. So obviously you can't cover everything that your audience is struggling with. But that's the process that I've applied, you know, so just by listening and researching and trying to find a match between, uh, you know, what the people are struggling with and also, you know, what I can provide value. So like you, I've read a lot of productivity books over the past few years and written a little bit about the topic. And a key kind of principle is to focus on one project at a time and mm-hmm. move on to the next one. Yeah. So how do you decide to focus on a book or a course or a series of articles? How do you pick something? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan of testing. So if you want to write a book, I always write a few articles about the topic 
and see the response. And if those articles are all well-received, then I think about writing a book. So, for example, you know, my, I think my second book, Think Straight, uh, which is, you know, my most read book before I started writing about the book, which is about, you know, pragmatist philosophy. I shared several articles about pragmatism and how you can, you know, start controlling your thoughts more and how you can ignore the thoughts that are very useless. And, you know, one of those articles was very successful and reached a lot of people. So now that I've tested something and it resonates with people, I decide to go uh, deeper and spend more time on it. And like, like you said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, you know, doing one thing at a time. And that's how I decide. But, you know, you can't always, you know, figure out a hit or whatever. Like, for example, last year, I spent some time on doing uh, a few webinars and eventually mm-hmm. I figured out like this isn't for me and I wasted quite some time on it uh, or like depending on how you look at it. Obviously, you learn something, but I spent some time on it because I also tested some of the content before that, which was great, but the, the format I didn't really like. So like like a lot of people are like, yeah, we do webinars, like they do this for years and I don't like it. So it doesn't work 100% of the time, but it's better than just coming up with an idea and like, oh yeah, let me just write a book about this. And then you write the book and nobody cares, right? So that's what you mm. want to avoid, but you can't avoid it 100% of the time. And the books that you've written, do you spend long promoting them after they're out, or do you, do you use Amazon ads or some other strategy? No, I don't. I don't really uh, promote my books. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I've done a couple of ads on Amazon uh, for things yeah. straight, but like after a few years, and they had a lot of reviews, and it was successful. But I have no experience with ads, and I don't have any knowledge about it. So I tried it for some time, and then I just turned it off, and I was like, I'm not going to spend more time figuring this stuff out and it's not a real priority for me to sell like a two or three dollar ebook and I spend more time like on my courses you know Mm. that's where I spend most of the time promoting or just inviting people to join those because that's how you generate the most amount of income and also the biggest impact in my experience well actually books also make a real big impact on people but um yeah. So how often do you spend on course creation versus promoting your courses? Well, so in the beginning, like when I start when I first create a course, uh, like I'm now in the process of creating a new course, and this time again I apply the same strategy. So people ask me, okay, how did you, you know, build or turn your blog into a business? Now like I'm creating a course about showing like how you create digital products and all that kind of stuff and you know, I can turn this into a career. So now I spend a lot of time actually on course creation and almost nothing on promotion because I was thinking about this, right? Should I announce it? Should I pre-sell it? A lot of people do it. That just takes away a lot of my focus. And now mm. I'm, I'm in teaching mode and learning mode and, and, and I'm trying to make the best product that I can. And for me, it works great to stay in that mode. And then when I'm finished, and obviously I've done a lot of research and talked to people and got a lot of input. And if I know the product is really good and works, then I'll go into promotion and then I'll spend all my time on promotion. Hmm. Create the registration page, write copy, you know, do the launch and all that stuff. So I never combine it. So again, that's, you know, the one thing stuff. I just do it sequentially. 
you know, that's how I prefer to work. And I know some people like to promote it first and then, you know, get some sales or like pre-sales and then grade it. That really doesn't work for me. So Okay. Do you have a team that supports you with a lot of the projects you've described? No, I've uh, I've won a virtual assistant and mostly handles my email and some social media stuff because I don't like to spend time on social media and uh, just some you know, like basic tasks. And, you know, when I'm creating a course, it's good to have him to, you know, take care of email mm-hmm. and all those kind of things so I can really focus on it. But outside of it, I do everything myself, which takes a little bit longer, but I really enjoy doing it. So I, I like the work. So. Yeah. Okay. Your podcast is also uh, interesting in that you you alternate between interviews and I guess that's where you're talking about a topic. Like one I listened to recently was about strength training. Mm. What what was it that made you decide to start a podcast? Yeah. So when did I start? I think I started uh, 2017 or something, uh, about a year and a half or after I started the blog. And to be honest, I didn't have a real good thinking process for it other than I received some questions from people, from my readers, and I was like, hey, maybe I can answer that on a podcast. And I also saw an opportunity to speak to some people, you know, that I connected with or some authors or entrepreneurs that I enjoyed, that I thought about interviewing to uh, obviously learn from as well. So those were the reasons. But I didn't have like a real strategy of like, yeah, I'm going to turn this into a business or uh, I'm going to really you know, make this uh, like a full-time thing. And, and still, like if, if you go, go to my podcast, I, I publish episodes occasionally. It's not a real big focus for me. So like if I uh, know somebody like a few weeks ago, I, I had Scott Young on and like I've, I've connected with him a few times over the past and we've talked and I was, we were like, yeah, well, it's maybe nice to put that on the podcast as well. And, you know, like, I'm moving forward. And I, there, I, Derek Siverson, I, I've, I've been uh, emailing back and forth with him as well for a few years. And, you know, just some people that, that I know, mm. I'll have them on the podcast. But other than that, it's not really um, like a, a big thing for me as a, like my blog is. Right? Like my blog is, you know, I want to publish uh, every week and, you know, all those kind of things. So yeah, you're quite consistent with your uh, publication schedule on your site. Yeah, I, I try to keep up, you know, the momentum. And even if I don't publish, like the last week I didn't publish, I do uh, write and I do uh, think about new articles and content and, and read. So I, I keep the consistency and the momentum in the creating process or the creation process. And often that translates to the publication process as well. So. If you keep on creating consistently, then you can also publish consistently. So, but it always always starts with me creating, right? Some people say I've, I've heard this well. It's like I want to publish, for example, twice a week, or I want to publish once a week. And I always focus on I want to create mm. like X amount of articles per week, and then the publication uh, comes automatically. So do you have a backlog of articles that are yeah. ready to go? Yeah, I usually uh, have a pretty big backlog, like, I don't know, six, seven, eight articles or something. And sometimes, like, some articles I don't publish, you know. Uh, it's like mm. uh, I write them and then I'll revisit them a few weeks later and I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, that happens as well. 
So yeah, yeah, like I still take the writing process seriously as I like when I started, you know, like yeah, when I started, I was like reading every sentence and making sure everything makes sense. And I still apply that same strategy. So, but sometimes, you know, I notice like you lose a little bit of focus and then you just want to publish. And then I'm like, yeah, you need to catch yourself because I always want to keep up the same quality, you know, and, and obviously there'll be ups and downs. But overall, I think, you know, trying to be consistent is a big priority for yourself. You know, that's how I look at it as a writer. You want to deliver the same amount or the quality level for yourself as well, because uh, I don't think there's any honor in uh, just slacking off. It's better than just to quit, you know? So uh, two things that have helped me uh, with consistency is one, I hired an editor. Mm. So if I write an article and it's 90% there, she will go through it and point out the errors. Mm and typos so i get lists of emails from people <laughs> complaining about typos <laughs> uh, and the, the second thing is i've been experimenting with uh, dictation different types of dictation so right now i dictate into a voice recorder and get it transcribed in rev and then write that up do you have anything like that that you follow or do you just sit down in front of the computer and just start typing yeah yeah definitely i just sit down and i just start uh, typing and you know, I always start with the layout of the article. So, you know, if like I come up with uh, with a topic, for example, self-control, and then I uh, lay out the uh, topics that I want to cover and I write the, uh, the headlines for every section. And then I start filling in the blanks, which is basically what you're doing. Because if I know, you know, where I'm going, then it's easier. But I never start with a blank page. Because that's, uh, I think, one of the most difficult things you can do. You know, like I'm, I'm not a fiction writer, so. Uh, Did you ever try to write fiction? Uh, well, actually, yeah, I tried. Like when I got out of college, I was like, yeah, I was really yeah. inspired by uh, Bukowski, and. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah, Bukowski's great. Yeah, yeah well, and uh, I was like, yeah, I want to write a fiction book. I want to write a story of a. And I tried to imitate Bukowski, but it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone can imitate him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I tried it, but I was like, yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And what about your, you talked about your research process there a few minutes ago where you type story plus topic into mm-hmm. Google. Do you have an ongoing process for note taking or mm-hmm. recording ideas for your articles or how does that work? Yeah, so I always keep writing down new ideas for articles. And I, uh, for the last, I think, a year and a half, I've been using uh, Ulysses to write. Yep. And uh, great app. Yeah. yeah, it's a great app. Uh, and before that, my process was um, I wrote down the article title. I w- always start with the title. So if I, so let's say I'm reading a book and I come up with a, an idea to, you know, turn an idea or so something into a, an article. I always start with the the title. So I write down the title and I capitalize it just like I would publish it. And I write down the title and I would do that in Evernote in the past. And I would just maybe uh, take a picture of the book that I'm reading or the thing that, you know, was the catalyst, you know, or maybe a quote that I want to share in the article. And I would put it in Evernote and then I would just, you know, often at the time I would write in uh, a word most of the time. But now I just do it all in Ulysses. So I write down the topic and then I like I you know write down the idea. And then when I go back later on to actually write, because you know as I'm reading, I pro- I, I I usually just keep on reading, 
I don't stop and say, oh, yeah, so this is a great idea. I want to write the article. I just keep on reading, and then I come back to it. And sometimes you think, oh, not really, you know, that good of an idea. And then I'll just delete it, or I just leave it, and maybe later on delete it. Or maybe I go back to it and think, oh, well, actually, it is a good idea. I have found some new, some new ideas. Then I just go back, and at some point when I'm, doing my writing, I just pick pick an article. You know, I just like, if I write, wake up in the morning, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write. I just go through my list of ideas. And, you know, I, like now I have something like 30 or 40 of those ideas. And I just pick one that I just feel like writing about, you know? And mm-hmm. that's that's the what I like about this process because like if you always have a huge backlog of ideas, you can always just pick. And some days you don't mm. feel like writing about some topic or you just write about something else. Yeah, it's definitely good to have ideas but so you can avoid feeling blocked. That's something that's helped me a lot. Yeah, definitely. So do you put the article first on your site or do you put it on your blog on Medium or do you put it on both? Yeah, I always put it on my own site first. Yeah. Okay. And then I, what I sometimes do is like, I always send a link to my article in my newsletter because... When I get feedback, I can always update the article. And sometimes I do that. You know, sometimes I get some feedback from readers and like my readers are, I see them as uh, editors. So I don't have an editor. That's a nice, <laughs> a nice concept. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you have a lot of editors. so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you just listen to readers and, you know, see them as editors and you can use that yeah. input to improve. And then I just, you know, improve the article a bit and maybe change a couple of things. And then, Later on, I publish it on Medium. And are you publishing on Medium as, as part of the partner program or are you just yeah. publishing it for everyone? Yeah, you are, yeah. Partner, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And would you revisit the article on Medium at some point in the future or do you just move on? As I, like updating it or? Oh, yeah, updating it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I uh, often update it after I um, publish it on my website. And I just, yeah. you know, sometimes I even make it just rewrite a couple things or change a couple things so I can publish it a little bit different on Medium. So I have some, obviously, because it's a membership program there and, you know, try to give a little bit of extra value to the people there or some, like maybe something different. You know, sometimes I change the title or like change a couple things about the article and then I publish it on Medium, but I don't go back and revisit it. Mm. Yeah. So the uh, four topics that you just you focus on are productivity, habits, decision making, and wealth building. Mm-hmm. Did they just arrive organically, or did you set out to focus on those four topics? Yeah. So the the first two came really organically. They, 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 that's what I started with: productivity and habits. And then later on, I added decision making to the mix because you know there's something that I've been reading and researching myself as well in recent years. You know, as, as you you know, started to run a blog and, you know, decision-making was important to me. And then later on, as you start earning more and also, you know, noticing that my readers, like obviously it's a very universal concept of wealth and career and earning and all those things, I added that to the mix as well. But I started with personal finance, like I showed, showed a couple like like real basic uh, how I like say my saving strategy, how I spend money, like all those type of things. But then I like for the last year or year and a half been getting into investing 
and more like thinking about building actual wealth and, you know, systemizing my business and all those things. And that came by itself as well. So I do tend to uh, update the topics that I write about and make it relevant, you know, to the stuff that I'm currently working on and also my readers are working on. I just try to have some progress in that, just try to keep on evolving. How do you deal with negative responses to your work? Yeah, well, I, I, obviously you get those uh, occasionally <laughs> as well. <laughs> and it's a part of it. But to me, I don't know, like I just shrug it off, you know, like I wrote a, yeah. <laughs> an article yeah. about mental toughness. And it is a, uh, to me, it is definitely a uh, a, a process. You know, you can really get better at shrugging things off. And a lot of people think, well, how does that work, right? Well, the thing is you, you just make it a priority and you just try to shrug things off and it doesn't always happen that easily because sometimes you may, you might get a nasty comment and you think to yourself, oh, well, maybe I should change something or maybe I should stop talking about something. And I think that's completely natural, but then... You know, I'm a big fan of the, the Stoics. And what the Stoics did was they always used logic to get themselves out of challenges and bad situations or negative thought patterns compared to Eastern philosophy. The Eastern philosophers always focused on, you know, mindfulness and presence and, and trying to tune out the things and just uh, living in the present and not rationalizing. Mm. Uh, like I try to find a balance between those things. But what I found that really works well with negative responses is that you can think yourself out of it by understanding that you are not writing for everybody. And if you just keep on repeating that to yourself, like, well, I'm not trying to please everybody here. Some people are pissed off or they don't like it. It's actually a good sign. So... Mm. I, I've trained myself to see it as a as a positive. If I don't get any negative responses at all for a while, I'll try to say something a little bit more bold to just you know get some response and filter out the people who don't actually belong to the the community that that I've built. You know, like I think sometimes people get on your list or in your audience, and you know that they're, they're not a really good fit, but they're just there anyway. I don't know what they're doing there, but. <laughs> Unsubscribe. You know, yeah, yeah. And your job, I think, as a writer is to irritate those people so they just move on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I asked because I, I wrote an article about parenting a few weeks ago and somebody sent me a, a rather abusive email. <laughs> they weren't happy with they, they weren't happy with my uh, approach to parenting. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what was your approach? And just there was a lot of uh, all caps and swear words mm. and uh, who was I to write about parenting and what I yeah. didn't know th their personal circumstances, and <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so I unsubscribed them from from the list. But it was uh, just uh, it was a bit eye opening to get an email like that. Um, yeah, I was just writing about a personal challenge I had with one, one, three kids, just a uh, mm. how, how to deal with them when you don't have a lot of patience or when you're stressed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so somebody took up section. Those types of uh, comments I, I've received as well, like especially now, like now that we're recording this with the the, the social unrest in yeah. the U.S. and also in Europe, I've seen a lot of people, popular writers or like celebrities or whatever, talking about this stuff. And then you read the comments and people are like, yeah, who are you to talk about this stuff? 
about politics. Just stick to your own stuff. And I'm like, why? Like people can say whatever mm. they want. If you don't like it, then just unsubscribe. It's like a free play. Yeah, well, sometimes it's tone deaf not to talk about something that's, yeah. that's important to other people. Yeah. Um, I, I just finally, I, I'm also curious, Darius, like how often or how long do you spend working on your business and your writing each week? Does, mm. does it take up a lot of your time? Yeah, well, it's a little bit, uh, it goes in cycles. And I wrote about this a while ago. Um, like the article that I published was called uh, On the Cyclical Nature of Life. And um, my writing process and the amount of time that I spend writing also follows a cyclical process. So there are times that I, you know, maybe spend five, six, seven hours a day on yeah. either writing or thinking about writing or researching. And there are also days and times that I maybe spend 30 minutes a day and there have, well, trying to think, I don't think there have been times that I spent zero hours because I really enjoy this, just thinking about ideas and writing and all those things. But there are definitely times that I just, you know, spend maybe 30 minutes or just very little time on that stuff. And there are periods that I spend a lot of time. But what I found is that it's very difficult to be consistent in keeping up a high pace. So I've never written like 365 days a year for five hours a day, for example. Mm. You know, so that's how I look at this. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So Darius, where can people find out more information about you or your work? Yeah, so the best uh, place uh, to go is to my website, DariusFaroo.com. And, um, you know, on my newsletter, that's where I connect the most with uh, with readers they get a free grow kit as well <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> thanks for the promotion <laughs> yeah yeah no it's great to talk to you thanks Darius yeah appreciate it as well man I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode if you did please leave a rating on the iTunes store and if you want to accomplish more with your writing please visit becomearitertoday.com forward slash join and I'll send you a free email course thanks for listening